Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! God is good, amen. Mm. I like it when we go off script. I like it when we go off script. I am... I'm aware of what time it is, and as I was praying, I was like, Lord, should we, should I, should I preach, should I not preach? And I kept getting excited because what he's given me this morning, I know today's Father's Day, I know we've been in the Holy Spirit series, but the Lord led me earlier last week just to pause that just for today because it's Father's Day. But what the Lord told me, I'm going to share with you today, but what the Lord told me is today's not Father's Day. Today is thermostats day. Today is thermostats day. And when he told me that, I was on the mail route. And y'all, y'all have heard the story before, but when he speaks and I'm on the mail route, bro, them letters go to house like, ooh. But today is thermostats day. Happy thermostat day. Somebody say happy thermostat day. Now, if you have a Bible, we're in 1 Kings chapter 18, but because of time, I'm trying to figure out where we want to start because I know where I want to end with it on it. But while you're turning there, let me just give you some context. You know, First Kings chapter 18, it's the story of Elijah where he challenges the culture of his people. He challenges the culture of his people. I don't per se know where to start, so we'll just start where I had on there. Verse 17. <clears throat> Verse 17 says, when Ahab saw him talk about Elijah, he exclaimed, so it really, so it, so is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are trouble, are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and worship the images of Baal instead. And then Elijah says, now summon Israel, all of Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel from the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? He asked the people that. He says, how much will you waver between the two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Church, this was the culture of his people. The Lord had delivered them for so much, but for some reason they could not stick with them. They did not. They, 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 they let their doubts over, overweigh their trust and confidence in Jesus. So many times we get like that. Verse 22, then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. Elijah said, I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, and I won't set fire to it either. And then you can call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God, and all the people agreed. And I love this because just to paraphrase, you know, I, I, I love this because the Bible says that literally for hours upon hours, the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they, they prayed, they danced, 
They did all these different things. The Bible even says, some translations even says that they, 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 they felt like, okay, well, it's not working, so we need more blood. So they begin to cut themselves and pour their blood upon this altar to the point that they had to stop because they had lost so much blood that they couldn't stand. And the Bible says that Elijah, he begins to mock them. Where's your God at? Why isn't he lighting fire to your altar? And we've heard this story before. And he says, well, you know, why don't you sing louder? Why don't you shout louder? Why don't you scream louder? I love this because then, you know, once, once nothing happens, Elijah ups the ante. Why? Because he's confident in who his God is. He ups the ante by says, my God is real. And before he lays fire to this altar, Go, somebody go grab four jugs of water and they go get four jugs of water and they, they saturate the bull that's on this altar. They saturate it to the point that there is a, not just a puddle, but literally the trench underneath the altar is full and overflowing with water. So therefore there's no scientific reason for this to catch fire. But guess what? Science doesn't limit God. God created science. And if somebody creates something, guess what? The creation cannot limit the creator. Ooh, that's a bar. But literally, the Bible says that after, they, that after they've overflooded this altar, overflooded the sacrifice, he then begins to lay hands on the altar. He lays hands on the altar. And what does it say? Let's see, verse 36. Thank you. It says, verse 36, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. Verse 37, O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. And watch this, and that you have brought them back to yourself. One translation says, do this so that they know your God and so that they come back to repentance. See, church, that's what we should be. That's what our, that's, that's the, our end goal, that people come back to repentance. Come back to repentance. We said it before, but repentance is not just running up to the altar and crying your heart. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a 180. It's, it's, this is the way I used to live and I'm different. You know, the, I have a, I have a shirt that somebody gave me for Christmas. It's, it's by the chosen. It says the way I used to walk is different. If you ever watch the chosen, you know, they got the little intro and the fish, you know, all the sea of fish are going this one way. But once Jesus enters the room, once Jesus comes through the tide, he changes the tide and you just see one by one, the fish go the different. That's what it, that's what repentance looks like. Jesus came into my life, and now my life is different. It's not what it used to be. I don't think the way I used to. I don't see myself the way I used to see. I don't hold my head up with the same way I used to hold my head up. In fact, when Jesus came into my life, everything changed. My whole life changed when he came into my life. My whole confidence changed when he came into my life. My physical body changed when he came into my life. My trust came into, it changed when, he, when Jesus came into your life. Everything changed. My whole life changed. Somebody say, my whole life changed. And I love this because, uh, you know, verse 38, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. So that means that literally, imagine this fire falling from heaven. Just, mm. 
burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even lit up. I like that. I like that that phrase right there. It lit it up. Lit up all the water in the trench. Verse 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. There's that 180. He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And verse 40. This is important. And I'll, and I'll reference this at the end. Then Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all. And Elijah took them down to Kishon Valley and, ki- and killed them all. Killed them all. Somebody say happy thermostat day. See, a thermometer, you know, the difference between a thermometer and thermostat, and we'll, and I'll move, I'll move through this very briefly, but you've probably heard this. I've, I've, I've been blessed to where I've gotten to teach this before. I, I remember back when we lived in Florida, it was one of the FCA lessons, and I've heard it before, before that moment. So when it, when I, when it came upon that time, we had to use curriculum. And when it came on the time about to teach the students about thermos, being a thermostat, I said, so I said, but we I might get some we might get some boys saved this morning. But see a thermometer, you know, the definition between the thermometer or difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, a thermometer reads the temperature in a room. If it's hot in the room, it tells you it's hot in the room. If it's cold in the room, it tells you it's cold in the room. A thermometer can only it, it, it can only uh, it can only reflect the reality, it can only reflect the culture, it can only reflect the environment. A thermostat, a thermostat regulates the temperature. It helps control the temperature in the room by making small adjustments to heat or cool the room. If it gets too cold in the room, a thermostat adjusts and warms it up. If it gets too hot in the room, the thermostat adjusts and cools it down. It's all a matter of what temperature you want to set it. So I say, be a thermostat. But uh, and listen, I felt so bad for Drea when we first moved back, just because you know she used to have the thermostat set probably super comfortable for her. Well, guess what? Super comfortable for her and mom and dad is 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 burning, burning. It's the fire at the altar for us. I can, I came in, I said, Whoo, I missed you, little lady, but we're gonna turn this down. We got, we yeah, we we used to have it as an eight spots. Now we now we've come we've come to the middle. We 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 try we try to meet, but then there's sometimes at night I'm just pouring the sweat. And gotta go to that thermostat. We gotta put this down to 68. Brother sweating. I'm I'm drenched. But and she told me she told me not too long ago that our room is the warmest room on upstairs. And I was like, hmm, I wonder how that. I don't know. Must be must be all those Barbie dolls and Barbie castles she had and stuff. It just, you know, whatever. But even though today is Father's Day, and most time people always, you know, refer to the father and, and you know, always, you know, by doing that, we feel like everybody else is excluded. But I want to I include everybody with this statement. But a single mother, an auntie or uncle raising their siblings' kids or, or an auntie raising siblings' kids or a foster parent raising kids, an employer that employs one or more people, kings and queens, pastors, teachers, team leaders, captains, generals, Churches and fathers are thermostats. Amen. Amen. You are a thermostat. Somebody say, I am a thermostat. You know, just, you know, because it is Father's Day, the reality is that many fathers and leaders, we get stuck in, uh, in thermometer mode. 
where our temperature fluctuates up and down depending on who is in the room or what happens during that day. You know, it's a good day when, you know, like, hey, hey, is it a good day? Oh, yeah, it's a good day when, you know, well, this happened and this happened. And what about that? That happened. Or it's a bad day. Oh, you know, I had to be around this person or I had to do this or, or this didn't work. The car didn't start or, or the bank, you know, the card overdrafted or all these different things. If it's hot in the room and there's plenty of conflict or drama, everyone gets hot. Day by day, our culture is just up and down depending on the temperature of the day. In other words, most time. When we're living in thermometer mode, 90% of our life is reactionary. And you're not called to live like that. You're not called to live a reactionary life. Where 90% of our life is reactionary, what about the other 10%? The other 10% is is dedicated to reflecting, reframing, and instigating positive change. That's not the way you were meant to be. You weren't meant to live as a, as a thermometer. The very best fathers and leaders, they operate in thermostat mode. Somebody say thermostat mode. Thermostat. See, thermostat mode, it's when you have a clear understanding of what the temperature is that you're trying to set. Thermostat mode, you, you intentionally take time to make sure everybody is on board. You intentionally take time to, to create the type of culture that, need, that is needed in order to thrive. You are precise with language and you communicate consistently. Uh, when it gets too hot in the room, you're able to regulate everything back down. When, you know, when certain people, you can tell you're a thermostat when you recognize when you get in a certain room or when you go to the family reunion and somebody else shows up or if you're at work and that one coworker comes in and you can feel the the mood switch or the whole vibe change, the whole scenery change, you're able to regulate that and get it back to productivity. Amen. See, the whole the whole fire raining down from the sky was because Elijah was operating in thermostat mode because he saw the temperature of his people, which was they were worshiping a false god. God, the real God, had delivered them from all these different things. And still, for some reason, they were worshiping the very things made by their hands. And see, we would never do that, but guess what? We do low key. We worship the things done by our hands. We 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 you know when 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 something when we desire something. Okay, well how how can I make this happen? How can I bring this into fruition? Well, well you know I I want to go here, so I guess I need to do this. Or I, I want to be married one day. I guess I need to do this. I guess I need to take these steps or do all these different things. I I I versus, hey Jesus, what do you say about my life? Hey, Jesus, what do you say about my life? But see, you know, because they refused to, to, to worship God, because they were worshiping the images of Baal, remember we said that word worship face-to-face. That's what God desires when he says worship. So therefore, watch this, they were pressing their face upon something made by their own hands. Pressing their face upon something made by their own hands. They were fixing, this is really powerful, they were fixing their gaze upon something made by their own hands. You know, we've talked about that before. We've sung about it before. Come and be holding. Isn't he fascinating? You know, but how none of us, you know, when we get our check, we don't hold up our check. Oh, come and behold it. Isn't it fascinating? You know, if you if you get a lottery ticket, a little scratch off, and you win the $20, oh, you're beautiful. We laugh. We would never seen that, but our actions say otherwise. Because when that direct deposit hit, oh, we're, oh, we're blessed and highly favored. The Lord is so good today. We're happy. We're cheering. But when the bank's on zero or the car's on E or the kids are crazy, how, how are you doing? I know for me, I'm, talking, I'm definitely talking about myself. 
But if we are the beloved of God, then watch this. Every day is a good day. Like the sign says out there, you are what? Blessed. Why are you blessed? Not because of what you do, not because of your performance, not because of how you dress, or not because of anything made by your hands. You are, you are blessed because you are made by the potter's hands. I heard a pastor say that so many times. We, are, you know, we forget that we're the clay. We, we forget that we're the clay. You know, we, you know, uh, see, the reason that we are the clay is because the clay is meant to be moldable and formable. But it's not about the clay. It's all about the potter. It's all about the potter. We, you know, you know we the great Christians, great, there's great Christian songs that, that glorify the clay. But transformative songs glorify the potter. Amen. And thermostats recognize that, okay, we're, uh, what, what, what's the room like? Are we glorifying the clay or are we glorifying the potter? I know we went off script with the worship this morning, but that's an example of being a thermostat of, hey, you know what, I, Lord, I'm feeling like, I, I don't know what this is we're feeling. We're just going to flow in the spirit. We're going to flow with you. We're going to flow with you. And, and part of my mind was like, well, Lindsay, no, don't do this, don't do this. And finally one part, I was like, no, I'm not denying who I am. And also I said, I'm going to fortify the shield wall. I'm going to fortify the shield wall. And we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what deliverance comes from. I encourage you, thermostats do not deny who they were created to be. Amen? Amen. If you want to be a thermostat, do not deny who you were created to be. You were created, you were created as Brother Norval used to say, you were created endued with power. Endued with the power. You know the Holy Spirit, that's the power of heaven. As he used to say, you have been given the power of heaven. The power of heaven. I love this. But the, the nation of Israel, they were pressing their face. They were fixing their gaze upon things made by their own hand. This is what we do. When we when we press our face against when we press our face against the things made by our own hand, Elijah saw that the culture of his people and the temperature of the room metaphorically was not right. So he decided to reset the temperature, and that's what thermostats do. Church, you're called, and every person in this room, not just fathers, fathers, you are called to reset the temperature in your family. Aunties and uncles, you are called to reset the temperature of those that are under your care. Teachers are called to reset the temperature. Leaders, in fact, the church, most importantly, the church is called to reset the temperature. All the fathers listening in the room, which I know is me and dad, but all the wannabe fathers, even on the podcast, all the fathers that will listen to this. You are a thermostat. That means you cannot react. You cannot respond. You cannot react. Stop reacting to things and start initiating things. We cannot react to things. We're called to initiate things. We cannot react to crazy, but we have to start reflecting the image, image of Jesus. When crazy happens, don't react to it. Reflect the image of Jesus. When we, are, when we feel like we're being led by our feelings, stop being led by our feelings and be led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the best. We don't walk by flesh. We walk by what? Faith. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by, we don't walk by what we see that's going on in the news. We aren't moved by, see, uh, let's break this down for a minute, but to walk by sight means that what you see enables you to move. 
What you see empowers you to move. What you see empowers you to come to conclusions. Guess what? Jesus said, the Bible says that we don't walk by faith, we walk by, or we don't walk by sight, excuse me, we walk by faith. So therefore, your firm persuasion in Jesus, that's what should be empowering you to move. That's what should be influencing you to move. That's what should be influencing you to walk in love. Amen. Amen. We are not called to be thermometers. We are called to be thermostats. No more, no more responding, no more reacting, but we need to start reframing. We need to start reframing. Can I tell you a quick story? But the other, the, on Kenan's birthday, we're getting ready to celebrate. We're getting ready to, he's getting ready to, to blow the candle out. All of a sudden, Kelsey opens the pack, and this is the coolest. I've never seen this before. I, I used to say, I used, until the Lord got a hold of this whole analogy at first, I was like, man, that's a, that's a Russell County woman. Ricky was right. Russell County women, they're just different. They know how to do these things. But Kenan's five-year-old candle, you know, you could buy the birthday candles with the actual number. The five broke in half. And she said, oh, no. And I'm like, what happened? I'm going to grab a box of matches. She said, it broke. So in my heart, I'm like, well, it's over. I guess, like, well, do we have some regular candles? In my mind, I had already come to the conclusion that it was over. In, in that sense, I was being a thermo, or I was being a thermometer. But all of a sudden, Kelsey's like, here, light a match. And I'm like, I, I, felt like the, I felt like the people at the wedding party. Fill, fill the pictures. Don't, don't even ask questions. I just, okay, light a match. Like, let's, let's flow with this. She, she's doing something. So I light the match. And she takes one end of the five, puts it near the fire. Woo! Oh, this made me so happy yesterday. I had to pull over. I was shouting. She, 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 she put one end of the five to the fire, and then she puts the other end. And she says, okay, move back. And she puts them together. And she applies a little pressure, and once she lets go, the five is restored. And I was like, bro, what just happened? I feel like I just seen a magic trick. I was like, what? Like, we're, we're singing happy birthday, and I'm recording it, but all I'm thinking about is, how did she put that five back together? And for two days, I'm thinking about this. Just, you know, I'm working my And yesterday, uh, yesterday, I'm driving. I'm like, Lord, man, how did she put that fire back together? I was like, Lord, that was so cool. Thank you, Lord, that we was able to. I just began to start worshiping. Lord, thank you she was able to put that fire back together. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, Lord, I think it's just so awesome. I said, oh, Shalabala, Lord. It, all it took was a little heat. Ah, something was broken, just took a little heat. And once that thing was put in the fire, it took a little pressure and it was put back together again. And then the Holy Spirit, get, Holy Spirit began to teach me. A lot of times the heat that is being applied to our life, we think it's the devil. A lot of times the pressure we think that's being applied to our life, we think, oh man, this Lord, the, the devil's brewing, the devil's busy. When really the Lord sees the, the state of brokenness that we are in. And it's that little bit of heat. It's that little bit of pressure that he's using to mend things back together. He's using to take you, he's using to transform you into someone that reflects his image at work, reflects his image at, at, the, at the grocery store, reflects his image in all things. And guess what? We have to embrace the heat and embrace the pressure. Thermostats embrace the heat. Thermostats embrace the pressure and recognize, okay, God, and step before I open my mouth and start binding up things, let me just say, okay, Lord, is this heat? Is that you? Is this pressure I sense? Is that you? Okay, well, give me the grace to sit in it. 
give me because listen that five it didn't it had it didn't have to do anything why because it was in the master's hands or the it, the responsibility of the five was in the hands that were holding it oh my lord church the responsibility of your life is not yours but it's the master's hand you are in the master's hands we used to sing the song as a kid put your hands in the hand of the one that can walk on water oh I, Dre, I used to love that song put your hands in the hands of the one that can calm the seas take a look at yourself and I can't even remember the rest of that part and then at the end of it, it's like put your hands in the hands of the man from Galilee when's the last time you put your life in the hands of Jesus when's watch this when's the last time you put your life in the hands that rained down fire and literally disintegrated the altar when's the last time you did these things when's the last time you placed your trust in Jesus when's the last time that we became a thermostat and embraced the heat embraced the pressure and allowed him to mend our lives back together allowed him oh y'all should have seen me on the mail right yes I was broke so I stopped I took that I took that one pack and I was like Jesus let's go I said, just a little heat and a little pressure. And then it hit me. Then I said, Lord, forgive me. Because then I had to repent. Lord, forgive me for all the times that I've, I've, I've lumped up that the heat and pressure was not you. There are some times where it's going to feel like the heat and pressure is not from God. And it's not from God. It's from our own flesh. It's from our own dealings or our own workings. But then there are some times in our life where the heat and pressure, oh, that's God. That's God mending. That's the, that's the great blacksmith mending things back together. You, you ever, you know, there's a show on Netflix where it's called, uh, 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 I, I, it's like a black, blacksmith show. I can't even think of Forged in the Fire. Wow, yeah, that's a, that's a name right there. Forged in the Fire. And, you know, when they make these different things, they, it's a competition show where they got to make all these type of things using, you know, heat and using all these different things. And then, and then the te- once they've made this elaborate weapon or this elaborate thing, the host will say, hey, that looks great, but will it cut? Because it can look great. It can have all the fancy designs and engravings, but if it can't cut through the wood, it serves no purpose. A lot of times the heat and pressure that you're going through life, it's because God's trying to make you to where you're able to fulfill your purpose. What, you know, sometimes you got to be like, hey, well, you know, the, the person that God is making me, it, will it cut? Can, can, can I cut through some wood or am I just a dull blade? Can I, can I cut through some things or am I just a dull blade? Can, can I cut through this drama or, or when the moment that, the moment that I, I began to enter into the room where drama is being echoed and reciprocated, it, it affects me versus me affecting it. See, thermostats, they can recognize what's going on and have an effect on it. And it's, it's, easy, it's, it's easier than we think, Amen. But listen, thermostats aren't just fathers, but like I said earlier, a single mother or an auntie or uncle raising siblings' kids, a foster parent raising kids, an employer that employs one or more people, especially for wages and salaries, kings and queens and pastors, teachers, team leaders, captains and generals, churches are thermostats. But let me spotlight churches. You know who, you know who said a church is a thermostat? Not just Lindsay. Dr. Martin Luther King, he referenced the church was a thermostat in his letter from the Birmingham jail. Now, like I said before, if you're sitting in jail, the last thing you're probably thinking, if you're like me, the last thing you think about is, Lord, let the, Lord, let the edification of the, of the saints be well. 
But he's sitting in jail and he begins to pen this letter. And I encourage you to go look it up. But he pens this letter to, from the Birmingham jail. And one quote from there, I'm going to read it. He says this, I'm sure that many of you have had the experience of dealing with thermometers and thermostats. The thermometer merely records the temperature. If it is 70 or 80 degrees, it registers that, and that is all. On the other hand, the thermostat changes the temperature. If it is too cool in the house, you simply push the thermostat up a little, and it makes it warmer. Listen to this next part. And so the Christian is called upon not to be like a thermometer, conforming to the temperature of his society. But he must be like a thermostat serving, listen to this, to transform the temperature of his society. I'm going to say that last part again. The Christian is called upon not to be a thermometer conforming to the temperature of society. But he or she must be like a thermostat serving to transform the temperature of society. Amen. Amen. We must be serving to change the temperature of society. Amen. That's what Martin Luther King said as he's sitting in jail. He said, hey, 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 fellow believers, stop being thermometers and be thermostats. Stop being conformed. What is, what, what is Paul saying in what? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing. Do not conform to this world. Do not conform to what you see on the news. Do not let what we see on the news conform our hearts. Let me better say it this way. Don't let what you see be the potter in your life. Don't let the bank account be the potter in your life. Don't let the, 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 the diagnosis from the doctor, don't let that be the potter in your life. Don't let the opinions of others be the potter in your life. Don't, what, uh, don't let all the bad days, don't let your worst mistakes, don't let those things be the potter in your life. Amen. So here's how to be a thermostat. There's several ways, and this list keeps going on and on, and finally I had to stop. I just stopped with five. I just stopped with five, but it keeps keep going on and on. And I encourage you, I encourage, I challenge you to look, at, look, find ways to be a thermostat. Amen? Amen? Number one, I love this. It's one of our new foundational scriptures. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. How to be a thermostat? Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Why? Because you can't know what the temperature, you can't know the temperature to set if you don't know God's desire for you and all that are around you. Amen. You can't know what temperature to set your family if you aren't looking to God to see, okay, Lord, you've given me, given me this family. What's the pulse? What's the rhythm? How should I lead? How should I lead this family? You can't, you can't set the temperature at work if you're not gazing upon Jesus and saying, okay, Jesus, let me. How, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? Where am I supposed to do it? When am I supposed to do it? You can't set the temperature if you're not looking upon the Father. Amen? Amen. Step number two, take a deep breath. Pray before you respond. Take a deep breath. Pray before you respond. Take a deep breath. Then pray then respond. You know, I was listening to a dad podcast and he was talking about that and I tried it. It works. It does work. It's hard to remember. There's sometimes where I, I miss it where I'm just like, they say something an inch and I'm like, Phew. and then there's sometimes where they say something and I'm like, Lord, Jesus, give me patience. What do I, how do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to say? 
and then it may be a little bit before I respond to whatever they got to say, whatever, whatever questions they're asking, da, 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 because I'm waiting for the thing that's going to set the temperature. I'm waiting for the thing that's going to reset the temperature. I'm not, because if I just spout off, spout off at the mouth, I'm just going to react. And reacting doesn't do any good. But the boys are looking at me to reset their anxiety that they have. They're looking at their father to reset the confusion. They're looking at the father to, to reset the, thing, the, 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 the things that they don't know. They're looking at their father. Church, we should be looking at our father, our heavenly father for all things. Amen. So we said, number one, set your sights on the realities of heaven. That's Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Number two, take a deep breath, then breathe. Or take a deep breath, pray before you respond. Number three, initiate the tough conversations. Initiate. Don't react to tough conversations. You initiate the tough conversations. Number four, become a master at saying please, sorry, and thank you. Why? Because, not, listen to this, nothing opens doors like the word please. Amen. Nothing opens doors like the word please. Nothing mends fences like the word sorry. And nothing builds bridges like the, like the word thank you. You want to be a thermostat, you become a master at saying please, sorry, and thanks. Why? Because nothing opens doors like the word please. Nothing's going to mend fences like the word Sorry. And, and not like a little kid, not like our boy, sorry. So listen to Andy Stanley yesterday, and I tried it out this morning, and it worked. And he, him and his wife were talking about how you have to teach children. Our children right now, there's three different stages of, of parenting. And right now where our kids are, they're in the training stage. Kellen, Kellen's kind of, him and Keenan, where they're five and seven, they're almost on the, on the stage of, of, I think it's uh, coaching, I can't remember. But where they're at right now, you have to, you have to show them how to do it. You almost, it's, almost like, it's almost like a play as far as like, hey, let's, okay, let's go and act out this scenario. So this morning, one of the, one of the boys was mad because the other boy took the tires off the, the little Camaro car. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, they were having a meltdown. And we all laugh because there's much worse problems than the tires on the Camaro car. <laughs> and I remember saying, and I remember thinking the Holy Spirit brought it back to our remembrance. Okay, you've got to teach him how to apologize. So I said, okay, Keenan, I want you to look at your brother, Ken. Look, look, him, at, look him in the eye because if you just say look at him, they'll look at their feet. They'll look at their chest, their belly. You know, I said, you got to, okay, when we're, are you sorry? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, so you have to look at them in the eye. So they look at each other. I said, look at him. I said, now you have to say it softly. Say, I am sorry. And he's like, I am sorry. I said, now, what are you sorry for? He said, for, you know, pulling the tires off the Camaro car. I said, now, stick your hand out and shake his hand. He shook his hand. I said, now, Kellen, you, are, you have to say, I forgive you. And you have to meet it. And Kellen said, I forgive you. I said, now we hug. I said, now we hug. And because once the, and up before he said sorry, oh, you would have thought that these, that this was Russia and Syria in the playroom over some tires on the little Camaro car. And just it goes to show, they, nobody's mentioned the Camaro car anymore, so that, it's, it's non-existent at this point. But once they said sorry, once they said sorry, oh, they became like Oreo and the filling. Best of buds again. Peanut butter and jelly, back at it again. Nothing mends fences like sorry. Sorry is not an easy word to say, but guess what? 
If you want to be a thermostat, you must be a master at saying it. And the last one, nothing builds bridges like the word, like the word thanks. Amen. Amen. And the last one is, number five, every day driving to the sun. Every day driving to the sun. See, yesterday morning I was getting ready for work and getting ready to leave, and I know I've told you all this before, but I am a huge fan of the sunrise and the sunset. And as I was driving, you know, Kelsey and the boys are asleep. Mom and them are gone, you know, working the yard sale. So it's just me. So I'm, as I'm leaving the house, you know, I'm pulling down the driveway, and I'm leaving at a good time. I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling good, like I should, you know. And, uh, you know, get to the edge and get ready to pull out. There's no cops, but I'm like, I'm, I'm aware. I'm like, hey, they're probably somewhere, so we're just going to do 50. So as I'm, as I'm driving down through, whenever the sun, as the sun is rising, it's just beaming on the truck. And as I'm driving into the sun, and y'all know where we live, but when you come to the top of the hill where Joinland used to be, and you can look and see over the town, and I can see over the, the stretchway of Lexington, and I just see the sun, it's beaming into me. And I didn't have, our, I didn't have the air or heat running. I just, I felt the sun, and I, I, clo- I took a deep breath. I was like, Lord, this feels good. And he said, Lindsay, drive into the sun. And I was like, drive into the sun, drive into the sun. I was like, Lord, why would you tell me to drive into the sun? You can't physically drive into the sun. And I was like, wait, drive into the sun. Lean into the sun. See, see, because I was driving that direction as the sun was rising, I was driving in the direction of, and as I was driving into the direction as he was rising, everything that he was, everything the sun was, it was reflecting through the truck and onto my physical body. See, in this life, we all are leaning into a certain direction. You can't, you, there's no, oh, you, you're leaning either this way or that way or that way. We're all leaning into a certain direction, physically, metaphorically, emotionally. But if you are going to lean, lean in the direction of the S-O-N. Lean into the direction, purposely drive in the direction of the S-O-N. Where is Jesus? Okay, let me go that direction. Where is he? What, what is he saying about this topic? Okay, let me drive in that direction. Well, how does he feel about this group of people? Let me drive into that direction. Whatever you're doing, if you are trying to be a thermostat, you must drive into the sun. We are all moving in a direction, whether we like it or not. Make sure in any direction you are facing that you can gaze upon the risen sun. You can gaze upon. If you can't see him, guess what? That means you need to change directions. There's times where I'm at work and I'm feeling overwhelmed, and instantly I'm like, oh, "No, no, no, I don't need this feeling." So instantly I start singing. A, I start singing a song. Start singing something that's going to remind me of how good he is. And I and I don't you know I don't pull back from the case and say, "Hold on, everybody, it's time to worship." He, he you know, I don't I just as I'm working. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. Got this heart beating in my chest. Or, or better yet, I'll be like, you are good, good. Oh, you're never going to let, never going to. And by the end of it, what's supposed to be, what's supposed to have taken me 30, 35 minutes, 45 minutes, takes me 20 minutes because I'm like, you're never going to let, never. One lady came up to me, she's like, Lindsay, Lindsay. It's Miss Lisa. And I was like, oh, sorry. It's like, buddy, you just get it over here, ain't you? I said, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, what's up? And she asked me a question. I answered it. But in that moment, I was driving into the sun. I was leaning into the risen sun. He is risen, and he is risen with all the power in his hands. And I'm leaning in that direction. As I'm leaning into that direction, I'm changing my mindset. And my mindset, if it works right, it affects the next person. Because when she went back to her case, she was, I watched her walk over. She was, you know, a little bubbly and stuff. 
But when she walked in, she wasn't like that. But when she left my case, she was different. That's being a thermostat. In order to be a thermostat, I'm going to say it again, you set your sights on the realities of heaven. You can't know what temperature to set if you aren't looking at God, if you're not looking at Papa. Number two, take a deep breath, then pray, then respond. Number three, initiate the tough conversations. Number four, become a master at saying please, sorry, and thanks. And number five, every day drive into the sun. Amen? Amen. And I love this, and I'll close with this, but our thermostat upstairs, it's, it has this flash and replace battery. And, it's, and I've been meaning to replace it. I say something to Dad, and I keep forgetting to replace it. But guess what? You know the cool thing? <laughs> Dad laughs. I, I laugh at I at this point. But the cool thing about this is it's been flash and replace battery for at least like seven months now. And that thing's still kicking. <laughs> still kicking. I, I got to replace it. I, I, I will go buy some double A's or whatever it is. I got I to gotta do it. But I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, it still works, even though it says replace battery. So watch this. Even though it's not working at its full potential, it's still able to work. Being a thermostat is not about being perfect. It's not about having it all together. It's not about having every question answered. It's not about having every T crossed and every, and every I dotted. In fact, the story of Elijah, as great as it was, after the fire rained down and did all that, the next chapter... You know, I mean, let's think, if you're Elijah, you, you call fire down from heaven, man, can't nobody tell you nothing. If I'm Elijah and I got fire raining down and everybody's moved back, everybody has repented and they're following Jesus or following God, like, man, you know, what, what's next? But the next chapter says that Jezebel puts a hit out on his, on his life and he runs. He runs and hides in fear. Wait, this is the same guy that was able to call fire down from heaven, but he hears a rumor that somebody's put a hit out on him. And he's running in fear. Which goes to show that being a thermostat, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to fail at times. There are going to be days where you miss it. There are going to be days where you, you wind up with, you know, like, I could have done this better. I could have said that better. I could have been better at this. All the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But at the end of the day, thermostats are not perfect. Thermostats are working. Our thermostat, it's not perfect, but it works. Amen. And that's what we celebrate. That's what we're thankful for, the fact that it works. No, no, you know, no, you, 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 know, you don't ever hear about, you know, the, nobody ever calls the repairman when the thermostat is not perfect. You know, if it, no, replace the battery, oh, you know, we, we can make it last, or oh, we get a couple batteries. But when the thermostat is completely out, oh, that's when. <clears throat> oh, we got to get the repairman. Well, you know, the repairman looks at it. Well, the glass is a little, little scratched, so we might replace that. Well, no, 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 just, just get it working. We, it don't have to look pretty. It don't have to look perfect. We just need it to work. And see, thermostats, they're not consumed with how, how does my appearance look? Do I look like I'm a godly person or do I walk in the power of God? There's a difference. Thermostats work in the power of God, but we live in a culture where everybody wants to have the appearance of God, but deny the power thereof. We live in a world where denominations have built this reputation of having the appearance of walking in God, but denying the power thereof. If you want to be a thermostat, don't worry about your appearance. Worry about, hey, am I walking with power? Am I walking in the direction of the sun, S-O-N? Am I leaning in his direction? Am I, am I, am I, am I, you know, 
habitually saying sorry, habitually saying please, habitually saying thank you? Am I, am, I, am I setting my sights on heaven? Am I setting my sights on the heavenly realities? Am I calling down the realities that are in heaven? Am I calling those down into my bank account? Am I calling those down into my body? Am I calling those down into my mind? Am I calling those down, the reality of heaven, am I calling that down to be the reality at my job? Am I walking in power or do I just have the appearance of power? Fathers in the room and leaders in the room, you are called to be a thermostat. You are called to be a thermostat. Church, we are called to be a thermostat. We should not be reacting to Henderson County. We should be setting the tone for Henderson County. Not just this church, but all the churches, as many churches in this county. I'm just, can I just be honest? As many churches as there are in this county, there should not be a homeless person. As many churches are in this county, there should not be, there should not be kids that are, that are going, to, going home hungry. And school's out, so therefore there's, and I, I learned this, I learned this reality yes, uh, Friday at, at Food Giant, ran into one of the custodians at Kaywood. There are some kids that go to the summer school just so they can get fed. And we all remember as a kid, nobody liked going to summer school. But these kids know that, I, you know what, I may not like going to summer school, but I know that I'm gonna get, that's the only way I'm going to get a meal. As many thermostats there are in this county, that should not be the reality. We got to do better. We have to do better. And this, I, I, you know, the Lord gave me this because obviously he, he, he is, he's the potter and he knows what you are capable of. You are capable of so much more. On the days that you feel like you're not capable of that, go back to those five things. Okay, well, let me, let me make sure I'm setting my sights on Papa. Okay, Jesus, let me gaze upon you. Let me open my Bible. Let me look at you again. Let me, let me turn my phone off. Let me turn the TV off. And let me just set a five-minute timer and just get quiet before the Lord. Lord, just Holy Spirit, I'm here right now. Remind me of who you've made me to be. Remind me of what you've delivered me from.